Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnabitz. And I'm Tom Haverstrow. And Tom, we have a very special guest this morning. Joining us, uh, joining us from Brooklyn, New York. Is that is that correct? Oh, I'm actually in Manhattan now. I've, I've moved up in New York. Across the river, the East River in Manhattan is Chef Ash Folk. 
Hi everyone. Good morning. Or hello. No, no time. Right. Sorry. Hello. We we are in a we we are in a we are in a, a state of suspended time. It is both morning, <laughs> afternoon, and evening. It is dusk and dawn. It is all hours of all the day. Thank you for joining us. We're um. We're excited to talk to you because you, uh, in my book, Ash, you were the funniest dude, uh, funniest contestant, period, on this show. Um, last season in the Top Chef All-Stars that ran last year, uh, or this, I don't, I don't even know, it might have been in 2017. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie Samar was hilarious. Yeah. I thought she could do stand-up comedy. And I actually think you um, might have bested her in just the one-liners you had in this season throughout. So I have to ask, are you a comedian like on the side? No, certainly not. Uh, I'm just a little silly, I think. Um, and I don't take things too seriously. So, but certainly not a comedian. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch you on, uh, on this show. So what is, let's just zoom out for a second. What are you doing right now in terms of, uh, you know, you're at, I believe you're at a barbecue joint in Brooklyn. I am actually it's in it's in Manhattan. We have one in Manhattan, one in DC. It's called Hill okay. Country Barbecue Market. No, it um, Yeah, it's 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 good New York uh, barbecue. I've been there for like ten years now. It was sort of like after the show, I got off and realized I was not the next Danielle Belude, and uh, I started cooking food I really like to eat. So kind of where I ended up. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as as Tom was mentioning earlier, I, I have what I call the elevator standard, which is of these contestants, whom do I want to be? stalled in an elevator for two hours with like in, in descending order and, and you were you were my season six winner of you know of, of these contestants um oh thank you i, I want to talk more about uh hill country barbecue a also because i also want to talk about like one's education in barbecue um tom knows this i led a uh a barbecue tour of central texas oh, uh, when all the nba reporters were down in san antonio for the 2014 or 13 finals one of those two awesome. times Awesome. And uh, so I am a I, 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 I'm a huge connoisseur, though I have given up meat for the year. And I've been to Hill Country. I, I have been okay. to Hill Country, uh, and I'm also fascinated in kind of because I think there was this notion for a very long time in this country: you can't get good bagels in Los Angeles, and why would you eat pizza in Atlanta? And ugh, who gets brisket or you know ribs in New York? As if like there's some magic in the water in certain regions. But the idea, though, I have to say of the challenge of whatever it is you have to build. Cause I've been to Smitty's and Lockhart and mm-hmm. seen those enormous pipes. And I'm like, I am curious about how you can infrastructurally do the job in New York. So I'm actually really curious to talk about that with you. But, but first, like, how did you get, like, can you catch us up on your life for the last 10 years? Yeah. I mean, um, so, you know, I got off the show. I went back to the restaurant I was at Trestle on 10. Um, I was there for another year, which I promised the chef I would do. Um, and then I decided I needed to do something else, make a change. Um, I did consulting chef for a while, which of course means unemployed chef. Um, mm-hmm. okay, that's, just, that makes sense now. Okay. I never know. <laughs> yeah. It, it means unemployed chef, but don't let anyone fool you. Um, so I just sort of bounced around from kitchen to kitchen, some friends and, um, you know, was sort of directionless because the show sort of, uh, always kind of like, uh, checks your ego. And uh, my friend, uh, Ashley Merriman, who we were pretty close at the time, um, she was just like told me to cook food I like to eat. And I was like, well, I only like to eat kind of trashy food. Like I like to eat barbecue. I like to eat Southern food. You know, I, I don't, she's like, so find a place that cooks Southern food. So I got involved with Hill Country at that point. And I've been there ever since actually. Well, Rhyming where you grew up? Uh, I grew up in California, like the East Bay. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up, you know, sort of not really Southern, but my father was from North Carolina. So I just had this kind of allure to like the South. Um, and I grew up 
go doing summers in North Carolina, eating whole pork barbecue and that kind of thing. So. Where, where's your father from? A Winston-Salem. Oh, hey, I'm a Wake Forest guy. So oh, okay, great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I live in so Charlotte I'm, now. Yeah. Oh, Charlotte's great. Charlotte's got a barbecue, a couple of good barbecue spots. Happening. Yeah. 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 So um, what's the secret to making good pulled pork? Um, I mean, there's a lot of secrets because there's a lot of ways to make it. Um, you know, I think the best, some of the best pulled pork in the country is coming from Rodney Scott out of Charleston. Um, mm, that's and, my family's from Charleston. I love Rodney Scott. It's he's amazing, Unreal. amazing pit master. Uh, but he does that whole hog. So there's sort of the whole hog thing. Or do you like the butt thing? Do you like it juicy? You know, do you like it like a meteor? Do you like it more like with all the bits and pieces of hog in it, which I personally like? I think the key to pulled pork is just long, slow, low, and and good smoke. I'm a I'm a post oak fan, obviously, because I'm from you know I do Central Texas barbecue. But a lot of people swear by hickory on on pork, but I, I kind of think it's good with with uh, post oak. But that might be blasphemy. I don't know. No, I, as long as you just throw a lot of vinegar in pulled pork, I'm good to go. <laughs> Put a lot of vinegar in it. I love yes. a good vinegar sauce. So did you, when you were on Top Chef, did you ever envision yourself as going into barbecue? No, no. When I was on Top Chef, I envisioned myself being the uh, most premier chef in New York City uh, <laughs> that everyone came to worship at the altar of my stove. <laughs> That's really what it started out as, <laughs> but I ended up in barbecue. So, How'd you get on Top Chef? Uh, so I actually applied, I was, uh, that was the second time I applied. So I applied late for the season before because I saw Hosea mm-hmm. one and Hosea, I thought, and I don't know him at all. So this is, uh, but I was like, Oh, I can cook better than that guy. I mean, well, <laughs> you know, I got a one in 16 chance of a hundred thousand dollars. I'm doing it. Um, and they had called me back for the, this season, season, um, six. Yeah. Six, thank you. Season six. Sorry, it was a long time ago. Uh, you called me back for season six, and I was like, at the end of it, I was bummed I wasn't on season five because I think I might have done a little better because um, I got thrown in with Michael Vitaggio and Brian Vitaggio and you know Kevin, and they were all just like next level, and I was just a little pipsqueak sous chef at a small restaurant in New York. So, um, so that's how I got on. They just called me, and, and I went through the whole audition process. They happened to be in New York, so they were able to come to the restaurant. I did a tasting for them. Um, with only five hours of preparation, which I think is part of the game. Um, and they liked everything and flew me to LA and the rest is, you know, history. What did you cook for them? Well, I did several courses. Um, <laughs> I started with a, actually, oddly enough, a beef cheek riette, um, and a bunch of charcuterie that we do at the restaurant, which is really one of the things I love. I love sausage and charcuterie and making all that stuff. Um, which makes sense to kind of go into barbecue. It's sort of similar skill set to do barbecue and charcuterie. So I, uh, uh, I made that and then I did like a, a duck crepe, you know, like scallion crepe thing with like little morels and peas, you know, very classic. Um, I think for dessert, I did a pear galette um, with a creme fraiche ice cream. Um, I don't remember. There was this on the show, one. Ash? This, this, sounds, this sounds amazing. Oh, believe me, I ask myself that question in the shower every morning. Where was this shit on the show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin um, Kevin and I were uh, amazed, not just by your commentary, but you had like, you had like really good ideas and just couldn't just pull through. It was like you had to switch. and burned. You had to switch yeah. like halfway through, you know, it, you just had to stick with your guns. Oh, if I stuck with my guns, I think I would have made it to Restaurant Wars at least. I mean, I don't think I would have beat. Michael Vitaggio, like looking back on it, I mean, there's just, there's no better cook than him, unfortunately. And I was up against him. So 
but I definitely like, and again, like I've been listening to the, to the pod because I'm, I'm like walking down memory lane and I never, I haven't thought about this in years. You know, I just sort of put it, put it away. Uh, we are the, we are the voice of, like, of your nightmares that had been banished in the, <laughs> it's actually kind of nice because the recesses you know, of now, your mind. Now that my, my, like your ego is sort of taken out of it and the, the feeling of loss is like over, you know, I'm a pretty successful guy right now doing really well. Um, the feeling of loss is over. You're able to like, remember the fun times, like you guys were doing the episode, uh, the camping episode, which I loved the episode of the pod. And it was just so funny remembering I slept in that tent with big Ron. Like we shared that tent <laughs> and he like and he did he put those sticks out in front of the tent to, to ward off the snakes and so i'm going to sleep and he's just like he's like i was like what are the sticks for ron he's like they're for the snakes i was like okay that's terrifying i'm gonna sleep an uh, hour and you. a half thank you for warding off the snakes i don't care how you do it that sounds like a great idea yeah exactly it's fun yeah. time yeah the um i guess the first episode you had to uh you had to cook for Wolfgang Puck. Yeah. Right. And so I did something real stupid. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was a great judge. He was a lot of fun to watch, but I'd imagine just you were thrown into the fire there. The first episode you're, did you know who Michael Voltaggio and Brian Voltaggio were before you, before you got, got there? Yeah. I knew, I knew who Michael was. I didn't know Brian. Michael was up for uh best new chef food and wine um, that day or that at that time. Um, in fact, he found out on the show that he didn't win. Um, but he was up for that. So I'd heard of him because I saw the nominations come out. I didn't really know much about him, but I did. <laughs> when I arrived, I went, you know, you go around, it's very awkward. You introduce yourself to everybody. And um, everyone sort of gave their CV a little bit um, like, oh, hey, I'm, you know, Robin. I'm from San Francisco and I am do this, you know. And I was like, hey, I'm Ash. I'm from New York City. And everybody's like, oh, cool. He's like a New York City. I was the only real New York City chef on there. Um, sorry, New York. Uh, and I shook everyone's hand and met him. And then I kept, everyone's like, yeah, I'm chef de cuisine here. Or I own my own place or I'm this. And I was like, I'm just a little sous chef. And then we got in the root, we got in the, um, the first day of, of, uh, of challenges and Tom and I had done a couple of events in New York together. Of course, we just crossed paths, you know? And so he goes, Oh, I know Ash. I've worked with Ash. So everyone's looking at me like I'm this crazy <laughs> threat. And I'm just like, my guys. Stay calm. You're freaking Michael Vitaja. You'll bake bread on a stone in the middle of a desert and be perfect. <laughs> um, it is so funny because your self-deprecation became a hallmark and now it all makes sense. Right? <laughs> like like you're there with imposter syndrome. And the worst thing that happens is when people actually think you're 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 this world beater and, and you're not totally in on the joke yet. Yeah. And, and no, it, it was, it was one of the more charming things about it. I, I always, we always like to kind of talk about the mechanics of the show because it yeah. is, I mean, you do totally have, and one of the great debates we had, um, Oh, Tom, it was with, um, our friend in, in West Hartford, uh, our barbecue tape, uh, Tyler Anderson. Yep. Tyler oh, yeah. Anderson. It, it, Cause who was a fellow, a fellow traveler in barbecue world, um, with you and it, whose, whose place was great in West Hartford. Yeah. Um, it is sort of, one of the great questions is if you throw 16 chefs into a top chef season, is the general impression uh, as someone who's actually done this, that they'll finish in order of their overall skills as a chef, or is there something particularly unique to the skill sets you have to do to win at top chef that you can take some of the top chefs in the world and they might fall flat because it just like the show itself demands such a weird skill set of timing and sort of 
working with limitations? I mean, are you somebody who believes that like, look, it's, it's really its own sport. Top chef never determines who the best chef is. It determines who the best chef of top chef is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's completely accurate. I, you know, I would say um, that was one of the things that I often say the show beat me because it was these sort of quick challenges that I would overthink um, or underthink depending on the challenge. Um, And I would just like, not just cook, food and not be able to mess with it. Now, the thing is, it's, it's really a big mental game. So if you can, if you're one of those people, like, like I think if I went on the show now, I would do, I'd feel much better about a lot of the food I made because I'm, well, I'm 40 now, I'm not 29. And I'm just like very comfortable in, in, in cooking simple food and cooking sort of straight on and, and, you know, not forgetting flavor and really like nailing those, the elements because you really have to be strong and confident in yourself and what you're doing. And if you aren't there, you're going to get knocked off very quickly. And you sort of see that in every season. You see the, the chefs that get knocked off are not the competent ones. And then you go to the restaurants and you're like, they're brilliant. This is delicious, you know, and, and I don't know why they would get knocked off. And it's, it's really the game is the game is hard. And, and now that I've played it once, I think if I played it again, I'd be obviously better. We heard not from that chef, I want to. <laughs> yeah, we heard from Chef Jen. We had her on a couple of weeks oh. ago. Um, she, she's like a lifer on top chef. She, she's um, uh, like, she was describing the stew room. You're in there for like hours. Hours, yeah. My my season, we were in there. When I got eliminated, it was like five in the morning that we got out of there. We finished Pigs and Pinot. And I walked to the van because you like pack an overnight bag and they take you to your van and they take you to a different uh, room. And I was, it was like five in the morning. I was loopy and I was wasted too because they gave <laughs> me um, all the wine from Pigs and Pinot. Like the guys in the <laughs> stew room sent it to me in the like exit interview and I just started drinking pretty heavily which is probably why i said the nasty things about padma but what, what did you say about padma no i just said i said at the end of the interview then this actually aired i i said some um less choice things off air and then on the air uh i said oh i'd have everyone over for dinner except padma and that got picked <laughs> up like every press was picked that up and was just like like oh ash hates padma and i'm like i don't hate padma she just didn't like any food i made so just you know and i was getting kicked off a show so yeah did you did you do any top chef um like events afterwards or were you just clear of top chef after you no i did a ton i did um i did two years they did that weird tour where they went to different towns i did two years with that i did like grand rapids michigan and seattle and a couple other spots um and then i did three uh top chef cruises oh yeah yes what's that like kevin Kevin, what is um, that like i'm terrified of cruises kevin oh they're weird one time I went on a vacation. Kevin and I worked together at ESPN in 2010 and 11. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took my then girlfriend, now wife, to a uh, cruise down to, I think, Cozumel, maybe. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, Kevin was like, why? I don't get it. You're trapped on a boat. You can't leave. It's just there's kids everywhere. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like vacation. That sounds like hell. Try being trapped on a boat where everyone on that boat wants to talk to you. (laughs) Can you, all right. So describe the ecology of a top chef cruise. Like who's, who's buying cabins on a top chef cruise. I am. Well, so there's two, there's two types of people on a top chef cruise. So, so one is just the cruisers, right. That just buy a celebrity cruise because it was with celebrity cruises. And so they have several things going on on the boat. Like one of them was Top Chef. One of them might be, you know, jugglers. Um, and one of them might be Magic King, you know? Um, oh, so Top it's Chef like, it's, it's actually, Top Chef is not the entire cruise. You're like one section of the cruise. 
exactly your one section but we dominate it because we actually do the main dining room we do menus for the main dining room we walk around the main dining room but it's actually great when you walk around the dining room and you go to that old couple that just booked the cruise and doesn't know anything about top chef and you walk there <laughs> like how is everything and they're like fine who are you and you're just like, oh, I'm, i designed the menu you know it's really uh but it's it's a definitely it's it was a fun experience and and i'd never been on a cruise and they of course take care of you vip all the way you know like um, I drank a lot of pina coladas, um, but yeah, there was, we, we got into port and the third year I did it, we got into port in, um, I forgot St. Martin's or something. And I was just like, I don't want to get off the boat. I just want to go to my room and like hide under the covers and eat spaghetti and watch TV. And of course the only thing on TV was Top Chef. So it was, uh, not as oh, wow. pleasant as you might imagine. <laughs> wow. Well, we, um, we would be remiss if we didn't just go through a couple of the highlights of the season. Um, yeah. the, the thing I think when we texted you or when we reached out to you, you had forgotten about Robin. Is that true? Yeah, totally. I'd like totally blocked her out. And I, I, cause I didn't really have many great interactions with her. I mean, she just talked a lot and I just walked away. Um, I mean, Eli had, was the one that had like, was angry at Robin for some, I don't know what he was going through, but he was mad at her. Uh, but I really, you know, I got along with her fine. She just like, you know, yeah, she should have been eliminated instead of me, but you know, it was, it was fine. It was fine. We got along. The episode with Hector, um, when you guys were teamed up, yeah, you, you just grabbed your, your, your oh, chest. I love like, Hector. I love Hector. Any, it's when he was eliminated, you guys were both up there. Uh, what was it like being up there team? Those, those duos, those partner co- competitions, elimination challenges are so difficult because you don't want to throw away, throw your teammate under the bus, but you also don't want to get eliminated and hearing mm-hmm. Hector like fall on the sword and all that. And just, it seemed like he was going out the most honorable uh, elimination I've ever seen. Well, and that's sort of what you were talking about, Kevin, about the game, right? That's part of the game. Like you have to decide if you're going to play the game, you know, like survivor, what's your gameplay? You know, I could easily in, in, in a elimination situation, push someone else towards getting kicked off. And Hector could have done the same thing. I mean, I could have easily gone that time than Hector and he, he didn't because the, the note was really about the overcooked uh, meat, you know, and the, the resting of the meat and I didn't I didn't I didn't actually rewatch that episode so I I don't remember exactly what happened but I know there was a lot of issues he was trying to do all this you know thermometers and things and I was just like dude just cook it's a it's a chateau just cook it like can be done with it um and I just went too clean with my sauce and it was just like like there was the excuse that the the meat bled onto onto the plate which did happen in a couple of them and probably did lose the sauce but my sauce was really thin anyway and it was really just this light which i thought was cool but when robichon gets a peppercorn sauce he's not thinking of this light clean you know um sauce and actually jen carroll helped me make it she said to me she's like why don't you make this a sherry gastrique and finish it with that and i was like it's brilliant you know and i just did it you know did it because uh jen told me to and she's the queen of sauce she is the queen of sauce. She's the queen she's of amazing. so many things. She's fantastic. She's so there's there's much in that portfolio. Yeah, um, you know, we, we become huge fans. Um, what's the hardest social dynamic about this show? I mean, I, one of the things that terrifies me, just being an introvert and a little bit of a personal space freak, mm. is like when they fade in after the theme song and they're like freaking 14 people waking up in one bedroom. Like it is just, it gives me, I have like anxiety just for about 90 seconds about what it would be like, especially in the most intense environment imaginable. And then coming home with 11 strangers sharing a bathroom. Or, and or, being or, the only gay dude too. 
I mean, I've, I've been the only gay dude in many situations like that, but yeah. I'm just sort of like that in and of itself just gives me more anxiety than having to like cook for Padma. Um, yeah. Like what is the social dynamic in the house? Well, well my bunk was next to Mike Isabella, um, which we became fast friends. Uh, Cause he, he is actually a hilarious guy with a huge heart. I know he's had a lot of problems recently, but um he's you know i woke up in the morning and i just have his little face staring at me and he says you know what's up fucker and i'm like good morning <laughs> you know i'm just like you know uh so i loved i actually um i like the social dynamic of it um i had again you know season six was a really special season and or I, i'm sure everyone says that but for me everybody just was we were all in it to, to do the best food possible. There was very little like competition and backstabbing that you see in some of the early seasons, you know, there's like, there was no, like, I'm not your bitch, bitch and all that shenanigans. Uh, I think behind the scenes, I mean, Robin was obviously the, the villain of the season. Um, but I, you know, I actually, it, I kind of liked it for me. It's like, I got a five week masterclass in, in how to have a, a, how to be a great chef and how to be a great cook. And I got that from, you know, being in the room with them, hearing everyone talk about stuff that was like, you know, next level. I mean, Michael and Brian only spoke to each other. I don't think Brian knows how to open, move his lips at all. So he'd like, they would be sitting there and just like kind of mumble to each other in their little brother speak. Um, so they were off in the corner next to each other. But um, yeah, it is, it is very strange, but you get used to it. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. We don't have um we don't have any spoilers on this show, so you're doing a great job so far, not spoiling anything that happens in the next six or so episodes. Um, but well, it's funny you talk about team challenges because something crazy is coming up in a team cha- team challenge that I happen to be a part of. Oh, oh no, they bring happened. you back. They bring you. Where, where did you? By the way, where did you get sequestered after you're eliminated in Vegas? So that that is like the weirdest part of the show, and I I I now I'm like allowed to talk about it because my NDA is all over, but. Wait, wait, how long does an NDA last? Like 10 years? Mine's 10 years, yeah. And it's like, oh, we're officially at like kind of the 10-year point. 
Yeah. So we this is like all this like all the Nixon tapes come out now, right? Like like this <laughs> yeah. is like where okay. So all right. So okay. So tell us about the like so where did you go? Great. Okay. Yes. Uh, we we so I you know get eliminated. You do your exit interview for hours, and you get to know the the crew very well. And my producer is very sweet. And they were they none of us really. I mean, at least that's what they gave me the impression. They none of them wanted me to leave because again, I was good at probably the production part of doing the exit interviews and. And I was, you know, I was just, I'm a nice guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not yelling at anybody. I never yelled at a camera crew person. I used to mess with the sound guys and like say dirty things in their ears, you know, like we, we had a fun time. <laughs> so, so they all walk me out. Everyone's very sweet. And uh, I get in the car, it's dark, it's pitch black, it's Vegas. And they start driving me out of town towards the airport. And I'm like, what, what am I getting on a plane right now? Like what's happening? And of course I'm drunk. I'm confused. I'm sad. You know, I feel like a failure. So they drive me in to a condominium complex and I go into a, a house. They unlock the door. They take me to the room. They, they put me in there. They're like, keys, keys are here. Go to sleep. I'm like, okay, well, of course you don't sleep, but eventually I fell asleep. And I wake up the next morning to just this knock on my door and it's big Ron. And he's like, Ash, get up. And I'm like, okay. So I get up, I go out. All the eliminated chefs are sitting on a couch and there's like mimosas and breakfast ready to go. And they're just all standing there being like, okay, give us a scoop. What happened? You know, they're just desperate to know what happened. Um, so it's actually really great, um, the sequester part, because you just like, you have very little stress left and you just kind of show up and like, everybody loves you and everybody wants to talk to you and everybody wants to get the scoop and you eat together, you, you know, you drink together. Um, you tell the producers, I want this from the shopping list and they go get whatever you want. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. Hector and Mateen had a ham hanging in front of their house, in front of their oh, condo. That's but, a ham. Do, wait, so what do you do all day? Do you like sit by the pool or something? Or is there a pool? Yeah. Um, in that case, I don't think there was a pool in that condo. I mean, basically, Ashley and I just sort of hung out all day and started drinking around noon and, you know, ate pasta at night and ate amazing food. There was one breakout that we did do because um, you still don't get your cell phone. You don't get anything back because you're sequestered still. Oh, my and God. Everybody went to a Grand Canyon trip one day, and Ashley and I are like, "Oh, we're sick. We can't go." Um, and then we we broke out and went to a mall that was down the block, um, and ate a Buffalo Wild Wings, which was like, <laughs> I mean, it it's so stupid, but it's exactly what we did, and it would just it hit the spot. You know what I mean? Like we were in a restaurant. I don't think we even talked that much, really. We were just sort of like normal restaurant and then they do do trips like they took us to uh, mario batali invited us to one of his restaurants because he knew we were in town so we like we went to one of his restaurants and we did some you know some a little gambling here and there but we had to stay really hush hush and um there was no real high profile chefs that got eliminated till the end you know no one would have known us walking around so i think you know we we had a little freedom but not a ton Right. And so, so and now y'all are all just waiting around like two days and then Laureen shows up, right? Like, and it's just yeah. like, who's, um, and then you, you know, start you the whole process know. again. Right. Yeah. You don't know. So it was very, it was very weird. And then Jen, who obviously was there the longest, she was like the queen of it. She knew the ins and outs. She knew how to break in, how to break out. She knew whose producer's phone you could steal for a minute. And like, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty wild. No, I love that she's like she's the Birdman of Alcatraz or something. Like she's the <laughs> one who knows how to like. Oh, that's funny. She's also the best. She's she's amazing. Um, I'm obsessed with her Instagram. But. Um, I do want to talk a little barbecue with you because Great, it, it's such a rare skill. Like I imagine, did you have 
the moment between then and now where you did the whole Central Texas thing, like you're going to Lulling and Lockhart and Yano, and what about the sausages in Elgin and all that business that is such like, I mean, those trips for me were just so much fun. And I'm just curious, I mean, you always, you know, you like charcuterie, you like meat, but getting, it's such a rarefied skill. Like it is just this dark art um, that not everybody can do. And so how did you sort of educate yourself on to the point where you could do the most notable barbecue in the most notable city. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, so I got involved with Hill Country um, originally at a fried chicken concept they did because I'm equally obsessed with fried chicken. And I've been going to barbecue for like my birthday every year. You know, people ask what I want to do for my birthday dinner, go to whatever barbecue restaurant I could go to. Um, And I'd been obsessed sort of smoking meats, not necessarily in the barbecue world. So I, I knew how to smoke. Barbecue, of course, was the next level of that. Um, so when I went to Hill Country, um, I got even more obsessed with it. And I just started researching and studying and reading and, you know, everything anyone does. And then I started going to Austin once a year. And um, I would do pretty much everybody in Lockhart, Austin, go down to Central Market, Gideon. I'd hit everybody. The only place I haven't hit, which I'm heartbroken about yet, is Snows. And now I'm sure you guys saw it, the Chef's Table will release the Snows barbecue on oh. Netflix. Yeah. So I, I'm never going to be able to get in there. But um that's I funny everywhere. Like, like you just yeah. get upset when uh I mean, surely yeah when it when a when a you know hole in the wall place or your favorite like down and dirty place gets on chef's table you're like fuck i can't go there anymore i know pretty much um i mean i'm gonna try i'm gonna try this uh next year if we can travel again but um so that's when i got i got sort of obsessed with it and then i got um in with Kreitz market um so hill country has a good right to the Kreitz. and i was asking because I, I know their stuff is on your menu and yes, I wasn't sure if did you have to like get that license, like their jalapeno um, hot links or whatever. We actually ship it from Kreitz, from ah. exactly. So it's uh, you know, I, and we actually have started making our own sausage at this point. Um, we still keep them on the menu, um, just sort of as like a, if you're an expat and you love Kreitz Market, you can get the exact sausage from there. Um, but they, uh, yeah. So I worked with them. I worked with Roy um, and went down there and sort of studied at Kreitz. It's kind of where I got my my bones, Roy and Rick Schmidt down there. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can you give me the skinny on the Kreutz Smitty's like family? Like, all right, so for, for our listeners, yeah. Kreutz is right uh, what, across the street next to Smitty's, who's I, who I yeah, love for fatty blocks. brisket, right? Yeah. And it's sort of like, it was, there was what, a, a schism in the, I mean, I don't want to put you in an awful position and these are, these are friends, but um, I've always been fascinated by the dueling barbecue across the street. They are family, but they're now, rivals kind of thing yeah so there's there's legends and facts and all of that mixed together makes barbecue right um there's a lot (laughs) of legend versus fact but this is this is what i know as the legend and i i don't know any detailed facts and and uh rick schmidt who has passed um wouldn't really talk about it when i was sitting at a table with him and i tried to get it in a cool way actually it was me and michelle bernstein oddly enough we're at this table (laughs) at the same time and we were like chatting and i was trying to get rick to like spill his beans but he was he was too polite um so the the short story is um rick's father owned smitty's and left uh the business to the sister and left the oh no, left the building to the sister and the business to rick so they each owned half of it and the sister decided to do something with the building that rick you know legend is she raised rent on him or something um who knows what actually happened? And Rick was like, well, screw you. I don't need that. I'm going to open my own restaurant. Um, and 
Uh, the legend is that he built Kreitz, the first Kreitz, which was much smaller than it is now, built the first Kreitz, built the pits, went to Smitty's, loaded a metal box with the coals from Smitty's, and walked over to Kreitz to light the fires again. Um, I don't know if that's true, but we actually at Hill Country, when we opened our another rest, our uh, Brooklyn restaurant, we took the coals from the Manhattan restaurant to the Brooklyn restaurant to light them for the first time. So, Like on the subway? Well, we had a car. We took a okay, I was just probably stupid. Too, <laughs> I'm just like imagining transporting coals from Manhattan, you know, like <laughs> on the A train. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, yes. I've seen weird stuff on the subway, but yes. that, that would take the cake. Um, oh, see, I love like barbecue lore is great. This is honestly one of my favorite trips. I loved going to Elgin. Um, oh, yeah. There used to be a great place that closed, I think, ten years ago called um, Crosstown Sausage, hmm. and and I just th- those are those are some of my favorite. You know, Lulling and and City yeah. Market, all that stuff is just. Have um, you done Louis Miller? Yeah, Louis Miller. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's a. I mean, I, I had sort of my Lulling, Lockhart, Elgin, and then if you go out yeah. to Mason and Yano and a couple of those places a little bit farther west, but and different barbecue out there too. Yeah, like starts to get real different because they have different woods that start. They start to come in with uh, post oak. So. Is it just hard to do in Manhattan? I mean, I just like you're you're in yeah. the Flatiron District. Like, how the hell? It just requires space and like like as you say, wood and coals, like things that you're not just gonna like check in yeah. with a doorman. Like, yeah, what, what happens to like? I'd imagine how do you it, do this. How do you do an indoor pit? You know, so it's actually really complicated, uh, especially Manhattan because there's a lot of regulations. So we have um, 12 stories of black iron that goes all the way up the back of the building, um, which is because it has to go to the roof. Um, we have precipitators on the roof which scrub the uh, smoke out of the air, um, which is cra- crazy and expensive. Mm-hmm. So we be, we kind of had to build up rather than build long. You know, uh, in Texas they have all the space in the world, so they can build these very long pits. Yeah. Um, so we built up and we built in a rotisserie. So actually what happens is the meat sort of like is turned like this instead of the smoke going like this because we don't have the space. That, that doesn't um, affect the, the taste or anything, right? No, I don't think I think okay. it's better than, than Lockhart. I mean, okay, cool. I, I've, I've been to Kreitz many times and I love them. And there's been many times I have a great slice of brisket there. And there's many times I, I have a real miss on brisket. Um, and we smoke differently than, than they do. They smoke a lot hotter at about 325, 300, 325. We smoke much lower at like 200 to 225. Wow. So we're, we're as really long. It's almost a 16 hour cook on brisket for us, um, which I like a lot better. Um, and, you know, I think it just gets a lot more smoke. It never gets that acrid kind of burning taste. Um, just as this sweet, beautiful brisket. Um, and then, you know, we make 40, well, not now, but we used to make, you know, 40 to 50 briskets a day which is a, a, a lot of brisket and, and they're pretty consistent. So I was pretty proud of them. Still am proud, of them, but hey, we're doing so a lot less now. When you ha- have, you, have you had any contestants come by Hill Country? Like uh, any? Yeah. Um, I mean, Ashley's been, I think, uh, Eli, no, Eli didn't come. He came to the city, but he didn't make it. Um, Arian, oh, Arian not from our city. I, I'm friends with Arian as well, just because she's in the neighborhood from season two, question mark? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not a lot of people come to New York. Um, oddly enough, I mean, right after the show, there was a lot of back and forth and I was at Trestle. Um, and most of the time when a chef's coming to New York, they don't really have time. Like they're coming to do an event for Beard House or whatever. They're not stopping to come to Hill Country. So, um, not a lot of them come in. And, and honestly, not at this point, we fall like we're practically just DMing through Instagram at this point. It's, there's not a lot of like texting back and forth like there was right when you first got off you know i think the yeah. not even cooking any like a real estate agent or something 
now, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah um, I saw we we saw them. The where are they now? Kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where. I mean, Ashley just was yeah. at Prune. You guys know that, um, yeah. probably. Uh, which just uh, unfortunately is closed now. Hopefully, it will reopen. We're all in New York hoping it does because it's a great restaurant. Um, and Jen's just killing in Philly, and you know they're around. <laughs> I think. Did you make up with Padma? <laughs> so funny story. My uh, so the, this this whole like I hate Padma thing sort of got blown out of and she actually came to Hill Country one day and got some fried chicken. And she just come from like boxing class. I was like, oh, hey, Padma, what's up? She's like, oh, Ash, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of awkward because I start, you start to sort of believe the media at some point, <laughs> you know, like even though it's, you know that there's never really a fight. And then my, uh, my husband works in entertainment and he was at an agency party and Padma was one of the guests. So he walked up to Padma to tell her off because he was like, oh, she... You know, so he walks up to her and she goes, hey, Padma, I'm I'm Ash, Ash Falk's husband or something. And Padma said, oh, I love Ash. He was my favorite on the show. He was so sweet and kind. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> and it's just great. So, of course, he's like standing there gobsmacked. He, he comes home mad at me, of course, saying like, she says she loved you. I'm like, yeah, that was all blown out of proportion. You know, it's fine. Um, but I tell you, she did never come to one of my restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you, I'm kidding. You, uh. You had a couple dishes. What was the dish that she uh, that stands out to you that was either unfair or um, that you were like, no, that was actually a really good fucking dish. Uh, well, I would say the the frozen custard was really good. Yeah, and she just didn't buy my bullshit on it. So um, <laughs> that was like you're supposed our- to do ice cream that ended up being custard. Is that right? Yeah, because you can't make ice cream in 20 minutes. Uh, I don't know. Turns out. Um, so it barely turned and I just, and I used every, I mean, you can see my stage and I used every tool in the kitchen to try to make this damn thing. And I was trying to use tools I didn't know how to use. Like I got the Paco jet and Eli was sitting next to me. He's like, dude, if you don't know how to use that, don't, don't do that. Cause you're going to cut your hand off. I was like, okay, no Paco jet. Um, and I just tried to use a traditional ice cream maker. So to cook a sweet potato and to make sweet potato ice cream in 20 minutes, I was pretty impressed. It was even a frozen custard to be honest, but um that was a, a stretch and, and it was, it was actually tasted good. It tasted great. I mean, Mark Peel liked it, but Padma just saw that I was just trying to bullshit the, uh, <laughs> bullshit the system, which I did. It's a skill. Which is part of the show, frankly. I mean, yeah. That's the, that's the game. Yeah. There was a, there was a moment where Eli brought in like a, a faulty pressure cooker that might've been a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It what didn't blow that? up. I don't think it blew up. Um, I don't really remember the details, but he definitely like just didn't seal the cooker hard enough and the pressure built and it just sort of like it it, it released and, and made a loud sound. It didn't blow up the place. I mean, they blew that out of proportion, but you know, and and Eli, you know, he he didn't quite know what he was doing, I think, with a pressure cooker. He's used to, you know, a circulator and time and plastic instead of cooking. So did you ever want to come back to Top Chef or were you like, I'm good? I did, I did. Um about five years ago, they reached out to me to do, I think the first All-Stars was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they reached out to me and uh, I went through the process and went to the, you have to go to a psychi- psychologist to make sure you're not crazy. And um, <laughs> I went, hey, What's that examination like? It's uh, it's like um, the the personality test. Yeah. Or no, I mean, you like know, you actually, there is a, there's a psychologist there. Yeah. Yeah. So you get, so you get a psych, you get, you take the personality test and then they give it to a psychologist and then you sit with the psychologist to sort of, or, you know, to see like if you're actually nuts 
Um, it's like, do, you know, does your father love you? Do you love your father? Does your mother like those kind of questions? Um, and I think I failed it. And I think that's why I, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I, I took, I took it and, um, and then we went back and forth and, you know, cause I was like, I really wanted to know what I was getting myself into. Like, would I be able to actually bring a recipe on, you know, like, was it going to just be, was I going to embarrass myself? You know, um, went back and forth and then Rich Sweeney decided to do it, I think. So they chose uh, Rich. They only needed one gay in the village apparently. So they chose Rich for casting, <laughs> so, which is fine. Probably better. I bet um, they want a little bit like uh, it, it's helpful for the show to have a few borderline candidates. Yeah, for in, sure. in, ter- in terms of, yeah, because you don't want everyone to be a, a portrait of normality because then it's no fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, when we watching the season, that was the biggest one of the biggest things we noticed was just how the humor was much more uh, to seal a certain person's line at more locker room talk on the yeah. previous seasons than now. I don't think a lot of stuff that Isabella said would make it to air. Um, when you watched when you watched an episode recently, what was the thing that jumped out to you? That I swear a lot. <laughs> like I am bleeped, especially this last episode with the one I got eliminated. I am bleeped everywhere. And there, and I remember because I, I started watching the reunion, they um they have a whole reel in the reunion that they didn't air of me just swearing. Because apparently, like I swear the entire time and I've forgotten some of the facts that I swear, but um I noticed that about myself. Um I noticed that Mike's a real can be a real prick, but I love it. Called Rotten Robin. I forgot about that. Rotten and, Robin. Did yeah, did you to, did you know when you were going up um, to the elimination table? I don't know if it was this most recent one, but when you called Mike, uh, when you called uh, the, Michael Voltaggio the Picasso, and you were just <laughs> washing his brushes, was that just spontaneous yeah. when you said that? It was spontaneous and weird, and the best part is that that. You, I was, I don't know where it came from. Like the shit that comes out of my mouth. I'm like, what, where did that come from? And he, um, so, so he gets, obviously dodges the elimination. I was in his group, you know, and he'd made, he made the, the ravioli with the egg yolk and the, on the, it was genius. Right. And I made like, I think I tossed a salad or something. I don't remember what I did. So uh, we get back in the van and we're all depressed because I forgot who got eliminated. Oh, Ashley got eliminated yeah. um, in yes. that round. And I, and Ashley and I were, were pretty close in the show. And um, she was a super talented chef. I don't know why she would not be in the show, but whatever. So she got eliminated. So we're all kind of bummed about it. And it's dead silent in the van. And Michael goes, hey, Ash, my, my knives are kind of dirty. You want to wash them when we get back to the house? Uh. <laughs> and it was just like the exact kind of tension. Because people don't think of Michael as a funny guy, but he's it's pretty funny. Um, so, yes, I regretted saying that the moment it came out of my mouth. My mouth. And I think I think that was the moment that Tom sort of was like, who is this clown? Like, what is his deal? You know, so. I actually it thought it was endearing, right, Kevin? Like the idea of like. It was endearing. I mean, I, I won't lie to you, Ash. It was a little cringe inducing just because you know Tom Calicchio, you oh. know, for all his refinement, it's sort of like he's thinking like, God, this guy's a doormat. Or like, I don't yeah, say that exactly. about another chef. Like there is certain a, a certain still machismo associated with the kitchen, right? And then like you don't, uh, he's bootlicking or something, but even though like Especially I knew exactly where it came from, right? Yeah, it came from you know you're working with this guy that right. like you know, and also why would Michael Vitaggio listen to me? You know, and that was my own drama, my own damage during that time. Is I'm not going to be Robin yelling at a kitchen of Michael Vitaggio about a frangipan tart 
because oh i i think i might have spoiled that might uh, be a spoiler you might need to well we might bleep we might not okay great because it, it was um, the it was the electrical circuits that were breaking in that episode right and you yeah the electric kept going out i will say in my defense i did tell michael I was like michael like this isn't working like we should do something else uh for the fish and i know how to cook fish pretty well so and he didn't listen to me but I don't know that he should have, you know, I mean, when you're talking, I don't know, I've been watching him the whole competition. So, and again, you're right. There is the machismo in the kitchen. And that is, especially even 10 years ago, the difference between now and then it's uh, the kitchen is totally different um, nowadays. Um, but yeah, Tom was definitely, I think at that point. Are there things that people hit you more about the show? Like when they find out you're on Top Chef season six or they recognize you from Top Chef season six, is there a moment that people associate you with? Uh, I forgot the flavors, probably the most common moment, um, which I have to give credit. I think if I recall correctly, I can't remember if I said it first or Ashley said it first. I think I think Ashley may have said it first and it was sort of like a running joke that we oh, kept I saying that over flavor. and over again. I right. yeah. oh. So it was sort of a, but I got, I'm the one that it aired on, I think. So, uh, you know, I get, I get some credit for that. Um, that's usually the the biggest thing. Or they say, I don't, I don't really remember you. Uh, how far did you get? You know, that's, that's the worst. Like, I was oh, with I got, the like, Voltaggio season, you know? Oh yeah. Voltaggio brothers. Oh yeah. They were great. That's usually how it goes. Oh, you were there. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> Ash. Uh, I remember Ashley, but not yeah, Ash. No. Ashley. Which is funny because before the show, I did go by Ashley, and then they switched our names, and Ashley used to go by Ash. So they sort of switched our names on the show, uh, just in the credits, and so it just sort of stuck um, since then. So interesting, weird thing. Well, that's funny. Uh, can you give us an update on Hill Country and just the restaurant industry before we go? Um, just some special shout outs you want to give during these uh, really tough times. I mean, it's it's bleak right now. I mean, New York City. I think they've closed you know, 30% of the restaurants are currently closed, most of them not reopening. Um, I mean, the best things that we can do right now, because I think it is important that we don't have inside dining in New York City um, right now. And I'm one of the few people saying that because the public health is in trouble. And we currently in the United States, I think we had 6 million cases of Corona total in the United States. Um, So it's important that we combat this. However, support your restaurants. Um, I think Hill Country, you know, we've been very lucky. We've remained open the entire time for delivery. And we have now opened for outdoor dining. So if you can eat out comfortably and you feel safe, do it. Order in occasionally. Buy a gift card. Just do whatever you can to support restaurants. I think it's like, it'll be a shame uh, to see a lot of good restaurants close. And New York is losing a lot of the old guard right now. It's really sad. Yeah, Kevin. We gotta, yeah, we gotta I, go to Hill Country at some point. We we do need to go to Hill Country. I, I I've been I went with friends about five years ago, and uh, I need to get back again. I'll have to be it'll have to be in, hopefully two in twenty twenty one. Oh but, yeah, we'll um, still be there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, it, this is sort of one of the look. It, you know, hoping that restaurants which just have given up so much in the last several years. So many people, it, it, it already is an industry where people are sacrificing livelihood, well-being in some cases, just quality of life um, to make it work. And the idea that, okay, even that um, might be shattered. is just, um, it's, I don't know. It, it's really sad. I, I hope we come out of this where our favorite places, our favorite people, our favorite chefs, our favorite food, the entire supply chain is, is doing okay. Um, but it's something I'm, I'm just extremely concerned about. 
Well, look, I think I think the good news about the industry is the hospitality industry as as a whole is 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 very strong. And it's something that people need. People need to be taken care of. They need to be given spaces where they can leave their hectic worlds and just be given and served and take a breath and breathe and find joy. So I think the people will need it. Now, whether or not this is going to be a rocky time and we'll have to combat the large chains that are able to sort of weather this better than some of the smaller restaurants. But the thing I think about and the thing that gives me hope is that 24 year old that just graduated the CIA that has the next great idea and the next great food trend and the next great restaurant or the next great place. And they're 24 years old and they can't open a restaurant right now. And real estate drops through the, the tank and they're going to open their small restaurant in the West village. And then they're the next, you know, Brad Atkins or the next, you know, uh, Paul Lee Brandt, who I don't know where he is, but the next Paul Lee Brandt, the next, you know, great chef. So I, I think there is some sadness to this, but I think it's also a little bit of a cleansing and, and clearing the air and getting getting some giving some new people a real chance. Hope so. Ash, this was great. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing the pod, guys. It's fun that we gone but not forgotten, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was it was really cool to get back with uh, Chef Jen, and we've reached out to a few chefs, but um, getting you on the show just because I don't know, we could talk to you for hours. I, I, oh, good. It was. Uh, well, come to Hill great. Country. Come to Hill Country. We will, for sure. All right. Kevin, you want to take us out? Sure. For Tom Habistro, for Chef Ash Falk, this is Kevin Arnovitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.